Ladies and gentlemen, it is that time yet again, broadcasting live, pre-recorded. It's Tavern Voices. My name is Kevin King, and with me, as always, is my co-host, Tyler Crawley. We have no clever sayings or phrases or anything anymore. It's just, here's Tavern Voices. I like you know? it. You know, just get right to the point. I'm, I'm in radio, and they don't want you to dilly-dally. You just get right into the first topic, but I'm going to dilly dally. I'm going to dilly dally here because you said pre-recorded, and it's a good thing George Carlin isn't alive because he would get mad because he does not like <laughs> the pre recorded prefix right? pre. What else did you record it? Of course, you recorded it before. So just going to throw that out there. The, the pre-recorded, um, but um, yeah, we should just get right into the first topic. Let's talk about the coronavirus, shall we? And by the way, I do not have. The coronavirus. I don't know what I've had. I got this a month ago before uh, I traveled to China. So I had it before I went to Wuhan. So it was something before I went there. So I'm you just fine. have the straight up Wuhan cough. Yes. Not yeah. the Wuhan flu. Yeah, right. exactly. Exactly. So it's it's not a big deal. Everything's fine. And luckily, Kevin and I are recording in different locations. So we'll be good to go. So I got to tell you, um, this story to me is amazing because of how potentially devastating it could be. And you know, we always have this conversation about where we are as a society. Will there be anything that ever brings us together? And this is pretty close to one of those things. I mean, we haven't got to the point where it's like catastrophic and I wonder how we'd react if it was. But what's amazing about this story is the more panicked the media and Democrats get, the more nonchalant the, the, the right gets. And so like, no matter what happens, it's like, it's this amazing kind of, um, I don't even know what you call it, but everyone remains exactly where they are. And so if one person moves further one way, then they go as well. And so the more panicked people get, the further the other side goes away. It's like amazing because like people are really starting to freak out about this and that's causing more people on the right to be like, oh, this is, this is nothing. This is the flu. This is no big deal. And it's, it's amazing that something a virus has become one of the most political stories of of 2020 so far. I mean, not even as political as the potential war in Iran. I mean, this thing is like, this is a, it's, it's one of those virtue signaling stories where, where how you feel about this is where you uh, exist ideologically on the spectrum. It's very weird. Well, you said it's bringing people together, but I really feel like it's pushing us apart. Did you see the clip from the uh, Defense Department press conference yesterday where they had um, – I can't remember exactly the phrase, but they, they called it social spacing where all of the reporters' yeah. chairs were like four feet apart <laughs> in different areas <laughs> so that no one was that close to the other person. I, I think that's great. I, You know, I've, I've just been – reciting stings don't stand, don't stand so close to me for the last couple of weeks. I don't yeah, like people in my true. personal space anyway. And <laughs> well, especially it's very good to be a, a, um, a misanthropic person right now, like the, the hermits and the antisocial people. Um, they're doing good. This is, this is their time to shine. They can teach everyone how to like not go to stuff and stay at home this, in the dark. Isn't this exactly what society has been preparing for? We have slowly built an entire society that can almost exclusively function from behind a computer. Aside for, yeah. you know, a handful of, uh, you know, blue collar industries uh, where you've got to be hands on. I mean, so many people are working remotely, signing in from somewhere else, <laughs> video conferencing. I mean, 
I think this is great. I would love to well, live in a world where 90% of people stayed home all the time and then you could just go do what you need to do. Well, some, my favorite my favorite quote that I saw was somebody said, um, uh, we're finally going to find out if all of those meetings really could have been an email. <laughs> like, <because laughs> yes, we're going we're exactly. to find out. Like All these emails are going to be going out. You're not going to be able to meet anymore or it's going to have the opposite effect. And, you know, meetings are already now I'm luckily in an industry where I don't have to have boring, horrible meetings all day long. I, I, I don't. Um, so I don't know, but I've been in a couple and they're, and they're pretty awful. The ones that I've been in. So I can only imagine the people that are in multiple a day. It's either going to make things better because we are going to find out that more emails or more meetings could be emails or it's going to be even more horrific because it's going to take like 30 minutes for everyone to get their webcam and microphone working, you know, because, you know, Kevin, you and I are, are somewhat tech savvy, but as we know, some people aren't like, how far do they stay away from the camera? Like how far do you away from the microphone? And for the most part, it's, it's pretty easy, but people freak out, especially older people. And I'm wondering if it's going to be even more horrific because now you have a meeting and now in the meeting, people are like messing up the microphone and they're screwing things up. And it's now it's going to make the meetings twice as long and twice as insufferable. So it, I don't know. It's I don't the, know which way it's going to go. Uh, yeah, it's the Geico commercial where yeah. everyone is trying to talk <laughs> at the different times and then somebody chimes in, hey, I just joined the meeting. Yeah, that's every <laughs> every phone conference I've ever been on. And unfortunately, I've been in jobs before where that was like a routine thing. A couple times oh. a week you had calls. and. And there's always that one person who happens to be, you know, outside weed eating their yard and they don't mute their microphone or something. Um, yeah, it's it, it's awful. But I think I think we will persevere. We're going to make it through this. Well, um, I, I think we are. Um, I, I just wonder if I mean, it really comes down to I there was reading a piece today in The Atlantic where they basically said, like, the way to solve it is basically what South South Korea is doing a very good job of keeping it somewhat contained. I mean, it's hard to keep it completely contained unless you're like China. We're an authoritarian regime that can just lock everyone in their apartment apartments and like seal the door shut. The door <laughs> yeah, shut. I mean, yeah, exactly. We don't have civil liberties. There's a lot the the government can do to stop pandemic from spreading. But South Korea, they're you know they're basically everyone's working from home. They've shut down all major you know uh, events, schools, everything is shut down. And so my concern is, is there's two things that can happen. One, we see a major disruption being caused by a massive, I mean, today we saw that the uh, congressional um, U.S. Congress doctor uh, said that there could be anywhere from 75 to 150 million people affected by this. And if you look at this thing being, I think uh, Dr. Fauci testified this morning, this thing's 10 times worse than the flu. You know, on the average, you have about 20 to 50,000 people dying every year from the flu. Um, this has about a 1%. Uh, mortality rate, which means you could see anywhere from 750 to 1.5 million deaths, plus how many people are going to be out sick, tens of millions. And so there's that, or we shut everything down, stop the spread of it until it gets warmer out, but then shutting everything down just stops commerce in its tracks and the economy just like sinks like a stone. And so I don't know which one you go with. Do you try and hope that we don't get infected and the economy doesn't get hit? Or do we just you know, kind of be as cautious as possible and just shut everything down and cause a major disruption in the economy. They both kind of suck, but it's kind of where we are right now. Well, and that's that's where I'm sitting at on this is I don't understand. I mean, obviously, there's a lot of immediate panic by some people and there's a lot of I mean, there's only so much you can do. Um, but my question is more long term. I mean, obviously, we've seen 
H1N1, SARS, these different, um, you know, these different illnesses pop up and kind of weather through them. And, um, you know, so is the play trying to just keep things as calm as possible till June? I mean, is that really going to kind of fix this from spreading, you know, but by, by the, uh, the season changing or, um, you know, is it going to just lull until it goes dormant and then pops back up in, in the fall and, and winter next year? And then we're going to go through this all over again. I, like, what is the long term? I don't really know. I, it's that. And I haven't it's heard right. anybody providing real solutions. It's just kind of a dated out. Like, I don't care how many people are infected today. That That's not really information that's helpful. What is the what is the long term game plan here? Well, it's what you said. I mean, this could just become another um strand of the flu. And the see and th- this is the reason why I think that there's so much confusion about this. So, from what I've read and I've tried to do as much research as I can because you know, I don't want to panic <laughs> or or undersell something to um, you know, the local radio audience, you know, just out of fear of, you know, being sued. <laughs> I mean, like I've, you know, there's a there's a responsibility being on the airwaves, so I've tried to do as much research as, research as I can. And basically what they're arguing is that this thing is worse than the flu. Uh, it's similar to the flu with regards to it being as contagious as it is. Um, and they, like I said today, uh, Dr. Uh, Tony Fauci testified in front of Congress that from what they can figure is this thing's probably about 10 times worse than the average flu, which is concerning because about, and like I said, 20 to 50,000 people every year die from the flu times that by 10. That's a, that's a pretty big disruption. But the reason why this is so concerning right now the best guess is we are at best, best six months away from a vaccine. Most are saying 12 to 18 months. Let's say they can put it into hyperdrive six months. That means we're still six months away and it will go dormant like the flu does as you know the season, it gets warmer out. And they're not entirely sure if that's just because it, it can't survive as well on surfaces when it's warmer out. Because you haven't seen a lot of cases in southern climates. A lot of it's mostly been um, up north. That's one of the big questions. Or is it just because people aren't congregating the same way that they were? And like with the flu, people start going outside and, and, and it's a better environment. But the reason why this is so problematic is the normal flu, there is a vaccine. And so let's say, I don't know how many people in the population get the flu vaccine in the best year, 20 to 30% um, of people are safe. On a good year, the vaccine's more effective, maybe 50%. Nobody is immune from this thing. So that means everybody. So you don't have that kind of herd mentality, like at least to like a smaller degree where let's say 30% of the population did get a vaccine, so they won't get sick. Nobody is safe. So everyone is potentially not only carrying it, but at risk of getting it. And so that's why, that's why it could be so much worse. And it does have a higher mortality rate. So not only is there no vaccine, so everyone's susceptible to it, but it's deadlier than the flu. That's why this thing can spread so quickly. And then, of course, you have the whole problem with um, there's a terrifying piece by Megan McCardle in the Washington Post that was talking about um, exponential growth and was saying that what's so terrifying about it is you basically have the doubling of the disease every you know five or six days. And what happens with that is that it doubles and doubles and doubles and doubles. And in the beginning, it doesn't seem like a problem until you start getting into big numbers. So five to 10 people getting sick, no big deal. But one day, a community going from 20,000 to 40,000, that is going to cause a huge, huge resource problem. And that's what people are concerned about is if we all get it at the same time, 
No one can go to work. We're all running to the hospital. I mean, just it, it, it has the potential to be catastrophic. Um, but we can, like I said, there's things that we can do. Countries are doing things, um, but it's going to require a lot of um, restraint by many people. And Americans aren't good at that. We like freedom. <laughs> we don't we don't like being told what to do. And so how do we handle it? Well, I think another good thing to bring up, and um, this is something that I've known about for a long time, is that basically the flu shot every year is made up of probable strands, mm-hmm. if you will. So, you know, COVID-19 is obviously a strand of the influenza, and um, it's always a, a guess. You know, there are some years where they make the, the the flu vaccine for, say, strand A and B, and C flares up that year, and even people with the flu shot are, are it's useless because that wasn't the particular strand in the vaccine for that year. But it still is um, effective. I mean, that's why I said on a bad year, 20 to 30 percent of people um, are still inoculated from the flu. So there is still some little bit of herd immunity. Those strands. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could always. And there's different right. flu strands that go around. Um, and But there's still a base group of people who will not get the flu because they got the vaccine. Others will. Nobody is immune from this. And so you're automatically putting like, you know, 20 to 30 percent. Like I guess on a bad year, it's only 20 to 30 percent effective. But that's so let me still, go back. That's a big yeah. number. I mean, we're talking about 300 million people. 300 million. Yeah. Well, I'm saying 20 to 30% of 300 million. 30, you know. I mean, that's not even touching on the 150 million people that have been killed by guns. <laughs> uh, Joe Biden. Uh, hey, don't, don't speak. Don't speak ill of the uh, Democrat nominee. He's, he's got that locked up after Super Tuesday 2.0. I think it's, you know, I it's mean, his. Let's frame it in the reference of that, because I know we are going to talk about Joe Biden, Super Tuesday 2.0, um, how how quickly things have changed in the last two weeks. Oh, my God. Uh, it's crazy. So fast. I mean, looking in hindsight, of course, that's what was going to happen. The Democrats do not <laughs> want Bernie Sanders. And by the Democrats, I'm sorry, the DNC, the powers that be, the super delegates do not want Bernie Sanders as the nominee. They It, it cannot happen. And so obviously Biden is now miraculously everyone else dropped out of the race and endorsed Biden. It was amazing how fast that happened. Um, But let's look at it in the context of the uh, coronavirus situation where there are a lot of people who don't have a lot of faith in the way the Trump administration is handling this situation. Let's face it. The press conferences aren't all that. uh, um, What's the word I'm looking for? You know, kind of uh, comforting. (laughs) <laughs> no, they're not really inspiring me that there's a that there's a whole lot of, um, you know, either they're saying, oh, it's fine. Don't worry about it, which obviously probably isn't the case. Um, then there's just contradictory statements, all this. But let's ask ourselves, what would the situation be under a President Biden? Well, interestingly enough, I actually think they've been better since Pence kind of took lead. You know, Trump put Pence in charge. And Pence has done a very good job at these press conferences, besides the fact that if you ever play a drinking game where you have to drink every time uh, Mike Pence at the press conference says, Mr. President <laughs> or the president, uh, you'd be wasted in like five minutes because he, he does spend a inordinate amount of time uh, reminding everyone that, oh, that was that was an initiative. The president was behind and the president did this. And thank you to Mr. President and Mr. President. Mr. Like, it's like amazing how many times he says the president's name, which I think is obviously intentional to make sure that Trump gets credit 
um, for all the stuff that's happening, even though he's not there. I think he lives in fear of that man. I, 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 I think so. Well, he's in fear of the tweet of, oh, Mike Pence didn't mention this. You know, little Mikey Pence forgot to mention this today da, 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 or something like that. Uh, I don't, I don't know yeah. what he would call him if you went after him. Um, I'm very interested to know what, what it, Pence's nickname would be. But um, what's funny about, about that, though, or the good thing is that Pence, I think, does a very good job. And Biden, if he became president, what if he was smart, he would just hand everything off to whoever the VP is. Or if I were them, I would just put like, you know, Dr. Fauci, you know, just be like, just have him do these press conferences. He knows exactly he's an expert for you know decades. He's been doing this um, because he is someone that reassures the country. Trump doesn't do a very good job of it because Trump is like, like Obama. He's always in campaign mode. I mean, that one press conference where he was talking about like how the tests are perfect, like that transcript in the phone call. It's like, dude, what? What are you talking about? Like everyone just, it's not comforting. But when you put an expert and they're like, here's the, you know, here's what's going on. You, you, you feel better. And it feels like the person's actually governing. Trump never feels like he's governing. It feels like he's always doing something for the, for the next election. And Obama did the same thing. I'm not, you know, I think this is sort of the norm now, but so putting someone who doesn't feel like they're trying to win an election brings calm. So if, if Biden, if Biden was smart, he'd put the expert, his V, you know, someone in charge and not have him himself up there because I think things have gotten a lot better since Trump kind of stepped to the side a little bit. Yeah, I think that's, I think that's a, a fair take. I, um, I do think that this debate season is going to be interesting. Who do you think the VP is going to be? Obviously Biden is the foregone conclusion. He's the candidate. Yeah. Who are they going to, who are they going to pick? Well, they got to pick somebody that has credibility, you know, because people are going to be voting, looking at Joe Biden and going, man, Joe Biden, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if he's going to make it a full term uh, health wise. And even if he does, like how coherent is he going to be? And I'm not saying, I'm not saying I think that I'm saying that's what people are going to think. And so they're going to have we to all pick know you're thinking it too. <laughs> Just be honest. I don't want to be a hypocrite because I, you know, I, I never liked when people were saying it about Trump. So I don't, I don't want to, you know, diagnose Biden, I think it's, it's a mistake because for all I know, Biden gets off stage and sounds like William F. Buckley. You know, we don't know. I mean, there are people that just aren't good. <laughs> I'm going to say that's a stretch. <laughs> well, I mean, well, I remember, uh, you know, I remember back in the 2008 campaign when he was, you know, when him and Obama were running and I clipped down uh, a, a video that's still on YouTube to this day that, um, put together a couple of Biden's gaffes. And I mean, this was 12 years ago, but he, I remember him saying that, you know, back in the day, FDR got on television to reassure the public. <laughs> like, what? I mean, he just, he just says whatever sounds good. He just rolls with it. Well, and and, that's, uh, that's why I pointed out that Biden has been making gaffes since he got elected. I mean, it's not like now they do seem to be a little more frequent and a little more bizarre, like forgetting that FDR wasn't president when the TV was invented is like, okay, you know, I get that someone just that was more of like a convenient timeline mission confusion. Right. right. But like when he, like he forgets like the preamble or something like that, people are like, Oh, that's the thing, <laughs> the thing, you know, the, the thing. thing. And so they got to pick someone. They can't, if they pick someone like Sarah Palin, which I mean, obviously like an ideological left version, like, like an AOC, like I think he'd lose. But if they were to pick say, I don't know. I mean, I, I really do think like Kamala Harris would be a good pick, even though she's from California, which they already have locked up. 
you know, people have mentioned Stacey Abrams. I just think people are like, is she ready to be president? She couldn't even win governor of Georgia. What has she done that she, she, she's going to be president? But people could say like, well, Kamala Harris ran for president. She at least has somewhat of a record. So if Joe Biden were to be incapacitated, she wouldn't be the worst thing. So I think someone like her, you need to pick someone with some gravitas, someone that actually has uh, a resume that people would feel comfortable thinking, okay, if she's in charge, here's what I can do. So, you know, there's plenty to choose from, but they also got to make sure they hit the, they got also, they also got to make sure they pick, um, you know, a person that hits the, the important metrics, you know, they, they, they can't pick another white dude. They got to pick someone that appeals to the diversity of the party. Right. Because yeah, I mean, Bernie Sanders. <laughs> Can um, you imagine if Bernie was a VP? <laughs> party unity. Oh my gosh. <laughs> that would be horrifying. It's like, who's third in charge? Oh, Pelosi. That's fine. <laughs> like everything is fine. Yeah. I mean, obviously I think Kamala Harris is probably the strongest option just no. because she was out there. She had a lot of support. She's, she's well-spoken. Well, not, she's not got that much support. She went out pretty quick. Oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, in the last days, I mean, she probably had more support than Bloomberg. That, so well, that's true. At that's least, true. at least uh, per dollar. Um, <laughs> yeah, per no, dollar I have more support per dollar than Bloomberg does <laughs> <laughs> in the democratic party. That's 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 a pretty that's a pretty low bar, um, but yeah, but she's not going to appeal to obviously California. I mean, he's already got that locked up, so there's not going to be any appeal there. Uh, she's not going to appeal to the Rust Belt, and she's not going to help with minorities. You know, with uh, with the criminal justice reform mm. that Trump is kind of spearheaded. So I don't think she's going to help. Yeah, but, but she meets she checks the boxes. I mean, they got to pick someone like that. You know, Cory Booker wouldn't be a bad idea. You know, first gay guy on the ticket. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> Am I going to have to bleep you out two episodes in a row? <laughs> yeah, last time you bleeped me, you just you didn't put a bleep. You got to put the bleep in. It sounds better. It's, I just it's funnier. It's fun. I, I, one time, know, I heard somebody said they went to the taping of the Daily Show and they said it was nowhere near as funny when um, John Stewart actually cussed and they heard him say an f bomb. They said it's so much funnier when the bleep happened. So you gotta, you gotta get a bleep. There, you can find them. You can find them. They're they're free. You can find them online. I've I've, I've used it before because I had to bleep out that Archer clip That's I right. put in. That's right. There somewhere in like season. Three. I don't know what season we're in, but it was a while ago. Um, I'll keep that in mind. It was just much easier to silence that That's section. True. That's true. Um, and then luckily the Louis C.K. Uh, clip was already bleeped. Yes, because so it was on TV. I had, so that was, it was on um, on you Conan. Are, you are in luck. Oh, speaking of bleeping, should we talk about uh, Joe Biden swearing out the, uh, the blue collar factory worker? <laughs> I might, I'll just get the bleeper ready. You just you say verbatim everything he said, and I'll I just go remember. back. I I, I, all, all I know is he said um, the guy goes, "Hey, you're trying to take away Second Amendment rights," and then he said, uh, "You're full of shit." He did say that, and he then did. and then he said he wanted. Did he say he wanted to slap him? Or take him outside, or I know there was like some fighting words that were thrown in there. There uh, were. I'll have to maybe I'll find that and then put it at the end. Um, but here's what I think is funny: is we should work on playing these clips. That's true. That's true. In the show, amateurs. I know. I gotta. I gotta get on board with that. But how, let me rewind. But, but before you continue, yeah, yeah, hold that thought for a okay. second. In case people don't know what we're talking about, a video went viral yesterday where Joe Biden is at a factory and a union worker uh, comes up to him and he's asking about 
the statement that Biden clearly made. If you've seen the video of Biden and uh, Beto at Whataburger, where he says he's coming after our guns. Right. So he, yes. this, that video came up about a week or so ago. I think it was right after he won Super Tuesday pretty heavily. Him and Beto were, were grabbing a burger at Whataburger, which is an awful decision. You got to get the shake instead. But um, anyway, so that was in conjunction with that. And then Biden just unloads on this union worker in the middle of the factory for now. Go ahead. Yes. Well, and um, he, not only with that clip, but there's like a ton of clips of Biden talking about oh. taking away people's like assault weapons. So he's not very shy about it. Yeah. Our AR 14s. So I look at it this way. Here's, here's the way I look at it. Uh, two, two, uh, two points. One, I like the fact that he talked to the guy, his, his handler was clearly like, Oh, we got to go. We got to go. He's like, no, 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 we talked to this guy. So I like the fact that he didn't like back down and like run away. Like a lot of politicians would, he like talked to the guy, you know, it's very, very like Trumpian, right? Like he's going to talk to the voter and you know, you're going to talk to me. I'm going to get tough with you, right? I don't punch. I punch back. But here's what I really like. It's a very interesting campaign strategy. You know, normally politicians, when they talk about, you know, blue collar workers, factory workers in Michigan, it's like salt of the earth. Like, they're the backbone of America. And Biden's like, go pound sand, dude. Like, he just like gets right in the guy's face and is like, I'll slap whatever he said. I don't even know what he said. Like, I'll, I'll fight you outside. Like, it's a very interesting campaign strategy. Like, instead of trying to appeal to middle class blue collar workers that the Democrats lost to Trump, Biden says, I'm going to fight you. And Let's see if it works. I mean, to me, it reminds me of like Bloomberg's like, I'm not going to compete in the early state strategy. And everyone's like, let's see how it worked. Didn't work out for Bloomberg. So let's see if uh, Biden's like, I'm not going to pander to these middle class factory workers. I'm going to fight them. Let's see um, how that works in November. It's a, it's just, it's a very interesting strategy. Well, I've been, waiting, I've been waiting for the feminist movement to start attacking him after he shushed the woman. Uh, <laughs> that, that I mean, to me, that was the that was the rudest part of it. It's like, okay, these guys can argue, but he just shushed this lady who was saying, okay, let's move on to the next thing. Um, I mean, clearly he's a chauvinist. Well, I remember um, he I, shushed his wife on Oprah. Remember that? Ooh. Remember I, when, he, uh, when he announced that he was uh, – Obama's VP. And of course he went on Oprah show cause Oprah was helping to get Obama elected and Dr. Jill, make sure you say Dr. Jill Biden, Kevin, Dr. Jill Biden, his wife was uh, saying that I guess Obama called him and asked him what he wanted. Cause remember Biden was in the race and then he dropped out and he threw his weight behind Obama. And I guess there's like a little quid pro quo action and he had called and said what you wanted. And he was saying like, and Jill Biden was saying like, oh, um, you know, he could have been secretary of state. And, you know, because Biden, Biden shh, quiet, <laughs> like don't tell the, the the Oprah audience that. And I always thought it was funny that he shushed his wife on like the most pro woman show ever. And everyone just moved on like no big deal. Like I just can't imagine like if Trump had been on Oprah and Melania started talking and he was like, quiet, shh, don't say that. Like, oh, it would have been like a new story for like a week. And no one cares. I'm, I'm like the only one that remembers it. I think no, you are, and I think that Trump <laughs> probably does that to to um to Pence a lot. But <laughs> well, they are um, like a married couple. <laughs> I will say though that in, once again, in Biden's defense, I think that there's this weird gotcha uh, thing that's been going on for the last several years in this country, especially around politics, where the voter almost feels the entitlement to say or do whatever they want to someone in office or running for office. Right. I mean, oh, I'm sure yeah, you see we that pay your salary. All the time. <laughs> right. And so there's a viral video um, 
locally in the western part of the state. So the District 11 race, I don't know if you've seen this yet, Tyler, because you cover, uh, I guess you're still District 7. Is that yes, right? Yes, correct. Um, so in the District 11 race, Linda Bennett, who is running for Mark Meadows' seat, um, was at some sort of luncheon type event where she was speaking. Um, and the same situation happened. She's got some people really questioning her on something. And um, she kind of, I won't say loses her temper. I didn't really view it that way, but kind of says, well, I didn't know I was going to be questioned on the details of who was hosting an event coming up because people were asking, was well, it open to the public? And they were really pushing. And you could hear people mumbling under their breath. And like, it was a very aggressive crowd. Now that doesn't mean that you can just go straight Biden and call somebody full of crap and go after them and, and all of that. But then again, the people need to be respectful as well. I mean, these people are, I understand they're running for your support. They're running to, um, you know, to, to hold an office and to be uh, beholden to you, but they don't, you're not their CEO who just gets to grind them, right? I mean, <laughs> well, that's, let's, that, let's and so also, I feel like there, there needs to be a balance. How many people are in the average congressional district? It's like 100,000, right? So it's like, yes. No, you no, pay no, 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 no. It's uh, uh, 300,000 voted in, 300, uh, in, yeah, in the last election because I just looked that up. Okay. So 300,000. So it's like, yes, you do pay a salary, but you pay like one three thousandths of it. It's like, you're, it's like, it's like you're a shareholder. You know, it's like you're a shareholder. But a shareholder can't walk into like if I own a share or a couple shares of, you know, Walmart, I can't walk in the store and be like, all right, I want you to put those boxes over there. And I pay. Hey, that's my money going in. It's like, well, yeah, I mean, kind of. But you, as you point out, you're not the CEO. <laughs> like you're a shareholder. And when the vote comes, you get to say what you're going to say. But the day to day operations, no, you don't really control the uh, the member of Congress. I mean, you can listen, your voice should be heard, but like badgering them and doing all of this, you know, craziness that you see happen, like the gotcha videos that exist both on the right and the left that are like super annoying. And real quick here, I, I said this earlier on, on, on Facebook. I really hope that the conservative media does not ruin this guy's life, this factory worker's guy's life by making him the next Joe the plumber. Like, remember that guy? Like, I mean, that guy was such a goober. Like How can you such forget a loser the and like they elevated this guy and it turned out he, he was just like, he, he, he just, he got elevated to this position that he shouldn't have been in. And then he stayed there way too long. He ran for Congress at one point. He's had like a news website. Like, I mean, it's just, it's like that guy's life would have been so much better off if he just would have kept doing what he was doing. But then he was like, Oh, punditry is my gig. And listen, People want to get – I'm a little biased because I am a pundit and so I don't want people to be stealing my business. But you know, it it takes a while. You got to like work. It's like remember when Ann Coulter said uh, – wrote that book about – I was like 12 – 10 years ago. And she said she was so mad about 2012 because like everyone running for president was only running for president to get like a radio show or a book deal. No one was actually running for president. And it's like the best way to, if you want to get a radio show or get a TV show or get a book deal or whatever is to do that. But what happens is, is nowadays people get one viral moment and then they try and build a career off of it. And it's kind of hard to go from zero to a hundred in like two seconds. And like, and so I'm hoping this guy doesn't get like all these offers and he like leaves this job and like three years later, he's like broke and no one wants to talk to him anymore because his, his moment passed. And now it's like, what does he do? And it's like, I'm hoping they don't ruin this guy's life. 
and like put them all everywhere. And then they like start giving book deals and everything. And it's just, it's, it's going to mess the guy's life up. It, it's like winning the lottery. Ralph, the rich Turner does not take that lightly. <laughs> the who? I don't know. I figured that would be a good name for him. Ralph the Wrench Turner. Ralph the I mean, we had Joe the Plumber. Oh, okay, okay. I thought, Why not? I thought that was like his actual name. Because like, <laughs> that's crazy. I have, I have no idea what his actual <laughs> name is. <laughs> Let's hope we never know. Because the minute we know, because remember we found out Joe the Plumber's real name, he was, his name, his real name was like Stanley Wartzerball or something like crazy like that. If the last name was Wurzerball. That's a good call. I don't know how you remember that. I don't remember his first name, but I was looking up... Um, uh, Joe the plumber today because I, I saw this guy I was interviewed on Fox and Friends and I went oh my god please conservative media do not make this guy because you know what's gonna happen right you is there any doubt that Trump is gonna bring this guy to the next rally I mean he definitely he's gonna bring him on stage Trump's He'll gonna be, be like I like this guy I like this guy he told Biden what's up I'm not gonna take your guns Biden's gonna take your guns that's what this guy said and then oh it's just I'm just so worried they're gonna ruin this guy's life <laughs> Let him enjoy his 15 minutes of fame, Tyler. You're just mad that when you went to that uh, that Trump rally three years ago that he didn't do the same for you. <laughs> well, no, I just worry because, like I said, it's – Bob it's, the radio guy. Bob, Bob the, the radio, radio guy. Yeah, I know. I was, I was trying to go viral because, you know, they're going to – it's just it, – it, it's like I said. It's like winning the lottery. It, it's like it's better to get there slowly, like slowly make money. So it's kind of like, okay, here's what you've realized – just being given something and like not, you know, spending the time on how to do it is always bad. I don't care what it is. And fame is the worst because fame is like the most addictive thing on planet. And, and the problem is, is that unlike everything else, it's impossible to get once you lose it. Like, I mean, just like, think about all these like losers who got famous and the, the desperation they have to get that fame back. I mean, it, the stuff that they'll do to remain relevant. It just, it, it blows my mind. And like I said, it, I don't blame them because fame is addictive. And you're addicted to people being like, oh my gosh, it's so, you know, you're so amazing, all this stuff. And then how do you get it back? And if you just got put into the spotlight and you're not, you know, you didn't really do anything to get there, it's even harder to keep it. So I just hope they don't ruin the guy's life. I, I you know, I'm, yeah. I'm one of the only people that cares about him, Kevin. <laughs> if they, if they give away my show and they cancel my show and give it to this guy, I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> you wait, you wait, you will be syndicated. Bob the wrench Turner coming six to nine on nine eighty the way. <laughs> you had a good run though. I had a good just run. Don't, I did. Just don't call your way back to local celebrity. Hood. <sighs> Is that I know. celebrity? I'm gonna be celebrity. down. I'm gonna be downtown Wilmington with a sandwich board and a bell. You can be the guy who puts <laughs> things on signs that <laughs> question everything. Whatever that guy's name is. Who are you talking about? The sign guy. Is that like you an actual wanna, guy? Or are you saying that's what yeah, I can be? You, have you not seen all of the memes going? There's this guy and he'll put oh, crazy yeah, stuff yeah, on yeah. Just, yeah, like, right. like that. Like earlier when you said that, that meeting could have been an email. Oh, you know, yeah, you put yeah, that yeah, on yeah, yeah. I do remember that guy. Yeah, yeah. Actually, I wouldn't. Be, that guy probably makes some good money. That guy's become a viral meme. But the thing is, well, though, is that what I like about him is he's 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 doing what he did to get famous. Like holding up a sign in a public place is what made him famous. So right, just, it's the same as 
like a stand-up comedian or an artist or yeah. whatever. And so like, if he keeps doing that, that's fine. It's when he's like, hey, let me start, you know, having a discussion about, you know, geopolitical <laughs> implications of of paper products. Like then it's like, okay, you're done. So and so this guy didn't get, you know, the, the factory guy got famous confronting a politician. Like you can only do that so many times before you can't do it anymore. And so then what do you do after that? And the, then all of a sudden you're, you, you become very limited. So we'll see what happens. Well, I think just, yeah. You know, it ties back in. I think we talked about this last episode about uh, the people who talk just to talk, you know, there's like this huge movement. You see this with social media influencers. It's like people just being important to be important, you know, yeah. getting followers. Right. They, they, they publish, you know, I don't know, podcasts and, and <laughs> articles well, online. Famous, being famous. Like, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, like the Green Acres chick that was like really famous for that. Shaja Gabor. Yeah. Yeah. That's like it was like her. It's like everyone wants to be her like Kim Kardashian. Like no one wants to be like famous, like, you know, and I'm a little biased on this, but like Rush Limbaugh, like Rush Limbaugh got famous for like talking politics and building this radio audience. But everyone's like, ah, that's a lot of work. I'll just take like a picture of my ass and in a bikini and, and post it and I'll get, I'll get like Kim Kardashian's fans. It's like, please don't that, ever do that. <laughs> I'm saying it's like, that's easier. I mean, to some extent than like to, to build something it, that, that takes a lot more time. It's especially well, if, you're, if you're a hot girl. I mean, all you gotta do is just be, stay hot. Like, which is hard by the way, I've argued this many a times. I think it's harder to be hot than it is to be smart. So I, I respect the grind, but if you're already hot, it's, it's a good way to get some money. Problem is you got a shelf life. That's the only problem. Yeah. Well, I mean, people just want their money for nothing and their chicks for free. <laughs> Dire straits, man. This That's is nothing new. <laughs> this is nothing. New. Look at those guys. You know, we're, we're moving refrigerators and appliances and he just bangs on the bongos like a chimpanzee. And that, right? uh, and, uh, Except now <laughs> it takes even less talent to be famous than it did in uh in 1980. What about the so. guy with the earrings and the makeup? What was he called? <laughs> I'm running out of blues for this. The times were different, Tyler. <laughs> he goes, that little cigarette with the earrings and the makeup, isn't that what he says? <laughs> yes. Which is not on the radio version, oddly enough. Uh, yeah. No, you, you ever noticed you listen to like Amazon? Um, or maybe not Amazon. I was listening to some streaming uh, station and they bleeped some of the swear words. And I was like, what in the world? Like, I think if you're listening to like a, like a pop station, like they'll bleep the words. But if you're listening to like a, maybe hip hop, like they'll let the word go, even though it's the same song or like, oh. an, or like, um, like an alternative, yeah. like it, it was, it, it, it was kind of weird. Cause I was, I was like, what's streaming? Like there's no FCC. What are you doing? Bleeping the, okay. Well, maybe that's why. Uh, well, family oriented jet airliner by a Steve Miller band. He says all that funky uh, kicks going down in the city. Yeah. Um, is, is, is like the radio edit version. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, so the, the, I mean, definitely they change it, but I've had that same experience recently and Sirius is the worst for this. If you're on the serious like hits one, they bleep everything. But if you're on one of the non, like, I guess, uh, mainstream yeah. channels, they let it go, which I think is funny. That's under the same service. You know, it's satellite. Like, it doesn't fall under FCC. I guess it's probably because they look at it as being, like, family-friendly. Because I watch, like, YouTube videos. Right. And people will bleep cuss words, even though they can they can say it. And I think they do it because they don't want to get, like, an explicit um, ranking for the video, which changes, I guess, their ability to monetize it. And I think it's kind of the same thing. Like, if you're listening to Serious Hits 1 and someone drops an F-bomb and you got, like, your kids in the car, <laughs> like, it might not be the best thing ever. So, I guess... Um, I guess that's why they do it. But I just thought it was interesting that 
you're right um, that they they don't do that on radio, but they don't do it on satellite and streaming sometimes too. So depends on what station you're listening to. Well, isn't I mean we're going down a rabbit hole, but didn't the, the FCC and the courts finally come out and basically say you kind of can do anything you want on television? Well, because wasn't because because didn't yeah. like FX started going to late night? You know, it was like anything that came that's on after cable. ten or eleven that's cable. o'clock. That's cable. Okay, no, so not so, over the airwaves. So here's what but, the FCC ruled. So the seven dirty words and kind of like the regulations they used to have. I think they expanded those after the whole uh, breast gate with Janet Jackson. And so they put new, stronger rules into effect. Well, someone actually got in trouble, and so they sued. And the courts actually did rule that the FCC was too ambiguous with their rules. They needed new ones. But they never put any new ones into effect. And so everyone says like, oh, well, technically you can say this stuff. That is true, except for the fact the FCC will still fine you. And then you have to have a company – who's willing to fight that all the way to the Supreme court to uh, get them to avoid that fine. So like, let's say if I were to drop an F bomb on the show, they'd probably find me like, you know, 10 grand or five grand or whatever. I don't know what it is. And then my company would go, okay, do we fight this and spend a hundred thousand dollars fighting it? Or do we fire Tyler and pay the $5,000 fine? That's probably what ended up happening. And so you technically still can, like there's no technical rule, but the FCC would still find you. And then you have to fight it saying, well, there are no rules. And that's expensive. And so unless you're like a huge talent, they're probably not going to back you (laughs) more than likely. So if anyone wants to try it, okay, but uh, you better make sure your retirement uh, planning is, is working out. Might not be a good time this week with the market where it is. No kidding, man. What's with the market? Man, we don't even have time. We don't even have time to get into all this stuff. We're too busy worrying about Joe Biden's campaign. and. Well, it's the, good, too, because next week, next week when the Dow's under 10,000, we'll under <laughs> 10,000. Dear God. <laughs> oh, man. I, I, I hate to laugh because, you know, we're talking about, like, you know, people's, like, life savings and stuff. So that's why, you know, Jimmy Buffett, right? Don't invest. Just spend the money. Um, foolishly, I took that to heart. And so that's the best way, right? If you have a zero dollars in your portfolio, market's up or down, I still got zero. So yeah, this is all clown now. <laughs> this is also coming from a guy who's well diversified. <laughs> I don't I don't think he started Margaritaville tequila and he has like resorts in the villages or something now in Florida, like an old folks home. Listen, don't, uh, do not ruin my fantasy, okay, to know that there are rich people out there who are foolish with their money like I am, okay? I like I like I, I like to believe the myth. I also believe the myth that you know, like Hannity goes to plays blackjack in Atlantic City and puts five dollars on black. The guy that makes hundred million dollars a year is like, ooh, five dollars on black. Like I believe the myths, Kevin. I believe them. Everybody knows you put five on red. Depends. Depends on what's been coming up all night. And why did we say red? That's blackjack. You mean roulette? You have me confused. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, sorry, I got, I got sorry. It's, it's been a long podcast, Kevin. We got to go. My it brain's has. going. My brain's going. I just, well, I was actually going to brew a pot of coffee, and we'll we'll go for like an intermission <laughs> and come back. <laughs> We're not in the same place. It doesn't benefit me, Kevin. <laughs> for, for for a good reason. We we're going to come back and do the unedited version. Plus, I got to go to bed. It's like bedtime for me. So it is way past your bed. Hey, we've got ACC. Let's let's end it with any any predictions now that ACC tournament has started. Well, I uh, since see- you. I want to see North Carolina go all the way just because I don't think anyone's done it. Maryland did it one year, but that, that, that was the unexpanded tournament. 
um, or the unexpanded ACC. So since I think they went five rounds, because there's five rounds, right? Um, yeah. I don't think anyone has gone coast to coast. So, or whatever you call it. So I would like to see them do that. And I think if anyone can do it, Tar Heels. I definitely think so. I just don't know how their uh, their appendages are going to hold up under five games. Well, I mean, the problem is, and I've pointed this out for many years, nobody ever wins the ACC tournament and then does anything in the tournament. Like you're just, you're zapped. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, winning the ACC tournament is like one of the hardest uh, college basketball tournaments. And so if you win it, it means you're playing at least, at least three games, maybe four, and you get so hyped. It's like, how do you then turn it around in like five days and then get pumped about the next game? So I don't think they would do anything in the tournament, but I think they could, they could, I mean, I think they're hyped enough. I mean, it's, they're still, well, it doesn't Carolina. matter though. I mean, that's the beauty because they're not going to make the tournament if they don't win the ACC tournament. So that's really they've got though. nothing to look. Yeah. They exactly. might as well go for the run, wear themselves out, duct tape Brandon Robinson's ankles <laughs> and get out there and play win everything on, um, you know, this, this weekend. And then, um, you know, go out in the first round of the NCAA. That that would be the Cinderella story. <laughs> Bill Murray would be proud. Uh, it's all right though. Duke will probably go out in the first round too. Cause right. Duke either loses in the first round or wins the tournament. And so there's only one or the other. It's like never, there's never like they make a run and go all the way to like the sweet 16. It's like they go out in the first round or they, uh, they win the whole thing. So you could see. Yeah. I still give Duke fans a Lehigh five. <laughs> Low blow, man. Low blow. But yeah, never, I, I'd like to see North Carolina forget. do it. But other than that, I don't really have any projections. That's uh, that's my my projection is a is a uh, wishful thinking, which I know you yeah. never, never bet with your heart. Right. So I'm not going to bet on it, but I will say it on the podcast. They're going to have a long road. They've got Syracuse tonight and then tomorrow they'd be playing Louisville. So, I mean, ACC is tough, but but in their also they've got a great team. They're underrated. They've had injuries. They had a hard time closing. So they're not as bad as their record would show that they are. But they have to play well. They have to finish the game. Um, and the ACC is frankly not as stout as it normally is. So I think that plays to yeah. their advantage as well. I mean, you know, Virginia and Duke are not unbeatable. Like, you know, maybe a year or two ago, I just said, oh, they can't touch Virginia. doesn't matter. They get to the game, they play Virginia, they're going to lose two, three years ago. Not the case this year. So we'll see. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And it's the SEC tournament, man. Anything can happen. I mean, it's all bets are off. It's all you got to do is get hot. And they played well last night, so just stay hot. And you know that, that's 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 why I hate that we still give automatic berths because to me, I think automatic berths should go to the uh, the regular season winner because it's far more impressive to win like the ACC conference than it is to win the tournament because you had to be good all year. Like if you just get hot, like for five games, like you can win the whole tournament. Like I always thought that was kind of weird, but that's the way they do it. It makes it more exciting. People pay attention to the tournaments. You get the, uh, the, the buzzer beaters and everyone, you know, really trying. And so that's what you want. That's, that's so you sell tickets, but um, that's all you gotta do. If you can get hot for, I mean, I, I said this 2007, I think it was Maryland or might've been, no, no, 2004 when they won the tournament, they went, they won all the games, 2004. They were a bubble team that year. They were debatable whether they're going to make the tournament. They won the tournament, ended up being like a three or a four seed because they, but in, and then they didn't do very well in the tournament. But they went from, they played the first game and won the whole tournament, ended up beating Duke in the finals. And, um, but they got hot and that was it. I mean, they, they had kind of a, they, like I said, they were a bubble team that year, but they got hot and, and uh, took them all the way. So we'll see. Hopefully, North Carolina also gets hot. And next time we, uh, we talk, 
we'll be uh, t- talking about uh, who the Tar Heels are playing in the tournament. So we'll say. Well, I'll tell you what, if that happens next week, drinks are on me. All right. All right. You got to mail it so I can have it when the show starts. <laughs> and we'll, we'll, uh, we'll do an Uber Eats. I'm sure. I'm sure they can deliver a cocktail. They know they know my address. So it'll be good. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fair, fairly certain. All right, man. Well, we've uh, we've we've ran way over. So yeah. if there's anybody left listening, we appreciate you. Uh, Tyler's Internet held up the entire show. And uh, I paid my bill well, this month. <laughs> I'm glad that was very inconvenient last time. But uh, uh, until next week, that's, uh, this was Tavern Voices.